have the privilege of listening to our guest speaker this morning. But first, uh, just as Jeremy shared a bit this morning, we want to give uh, Mr. Jared Dorsch a few minutes to just bring us a quick report from India. They barely let uh, Jared... Jared and Jeremy back in the States. Just, they just got back barely. Hold up in Washington. Praise God they got through. Well, we're just grateful. I'm sure we're going to have a time where they can both elaborate on more details. Um, but we're just excited that they're back. If you're not sure, uh, Jared and his wife, Charlene, they're missionaries that are set out from this house. They go out from this house. Their the ministry is called Rise Nations. And we, a ch we're a church that sends them. We support them. And we're just grateful to have their ministry be a part. So, Jared, just take a few minutes and share with us. That's, yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to be with you back home in the States, kind of. Uh, you're beautiful. The people in here are beautiful. So I, I'm torn between the two. I think my wife wins, though. She's the most beautiful to me. So I'm glad to be home. But uh, just real quick, I don't want to take any time because the guest speaker we have today is part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. And so uh, we had an amazing time in India. Jeremy shared a bit, you know, there's healings both physically and naturally. One I wanted to touch on was uh, there's, we did a revival night in a village. Now, to give quick context to India, and we'll share later at some point, uh, you can't really preach the gospel anymore out in the streets. You can't deliver food in the streets like you used to. If you get a picture of us or a picture of the pastors doing those things, uh, they'll report you to the police, and I'll be kicked out of the country, and the pastor will be in prison, if not killed. Just so you know, keep India in prayers. The government is funding the killing of Christians in the north of India, even though they won't say that publicly. It's okayed by them. They are financially backing it. I can't prove that, but the pastors know that. The whole point of this is to share testimony because it doesn't matter what governments do. You understand that it doesn't matter what a government does. The kingdom of God will always advance. And the mission of God will always advance. The purposes of God's word will fulfill all that he set it out to do with or without you. I'd just rather be with him, amen? I'd just rather go where he says go. So we went to India and this one night we were at the, in a village outside ministering the gospel and this lady comes up and she shows us a picture on her phone of a of a little baby had been what a week or two old I mean baby baby like and this child was dying his kidneys was twisted around its intestines it had two surgeries the doctors literally couldn't figure it out they had no knowledge of how to fix it she's like would you just pray for my baby so we laid hands on the phone and laid hands on her and we prayed just Lord just you know, the Bible says go into the throne room of grace with boldness and seek mercy and help in a time of need. Well, I don't know about you, but for that child, children are precious to God. We felt there's a time of need. So I sought mercy. Lord, just heal this child. Do something. Intervene. And uh, the next day we were playing volleyball. Uh, for those of you who love volleyball, they're great at volleyball, by the way. Uh, they, uh, there's a lady in the, in the village we were playing volleyball said, can you come pray for my family? So we did. And it was the same lady. And she showed us this picture again. She's like, this baby. She's like, no, no, no. They did surgery again. Somehow the doctors figured out what to do, and the baby's healed. In Jesus' name. 
Now, some people would be like, oh, well, the doctors healed her. No, no, no. The doctors tried twice, couldn't figure it out. All of a sudden, they had the knowledge that they didn't have the day before to do something they've never done before. Come on. That's God. God's an all of a sudden God. He's an all of a sudden God for you and for me. We had an amazing time of India. And what's, I was sitting here in worship just a second ago. And this is, I guess, my challenge to you and the last thing I'm going to leave you with. I thought it was, I wanted to share a testimony. There's so much things that happened. If you want to come to India with us, we're going to go. I don't care about the government. We're going to go because God said to go, not because they said not to go. We're going to be strategic. We're going to be discerning. We're going to be wise, but we're going to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're interested, feel free to see me and my wife. We're probably taking a small team in February, and there will be more trips after that. So don't worry if you miss one of them. However, while we were sitting here and praising God, I just was like, Lord, what do you want to say? And he said, I, I felt in me. I said, I have testimonies to share with you. But if you want a testimony, get on a plane and get over to India yourself. Get on a plane and go somewhere else. Go to your neighbor's house. Go to Hannaford's. The time is getting short for you to share the ministry of Jesus Christ in an open way in this country. Now's the time. Go get a testimony. Go be a part of what God's calling you to do. Because it's through the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony that people are set free. So I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. I look forward to sharing with you again at some point in the future. We had an amazing time. Thank you for this house giving me Jeremy. Not that he had much choice. But, uh, but uh, it was amazing. We got to minister to pastors and villages and, and encourage the body of Christ. And for those of you... Last thing I'll say, who know Pastor Vijay and Nirja? They listed many of you by name. Those of you who knew them, some of you aren't here anymore. Uh, Dan, they said you, uh, and some others, they said hello. They send their love. They are so thankful. He, Pastor Vijay looked at me and said, I'm so glad that King's Fire Church is back in India. So we're glad to be with them, and we look forward to the future with them as well. So God bless you guys, and thank you for having me home. Amen. So this morning we have uh, Pastor Dan Ray and his wife Amber is here with us. I shouldn't really call them guests. They're like family to us. Uh, for those, we have a lot of new faces. I know I'll give a quick just background. Uh, Dan and his wife Amber and his family, they were uh, pastors here at our church uh, for many years, even before I got here. And uh, they have seven kids who have added to our Sunday school this morning. At least some of them. You guys are, some of you aged out. Praise God. And uh, they, uh, was it two years ago now, approximately, about two years ago, they felt the Lord call them to uh, go to a different church, to be in leadership there. So they are the worship directors at Trinity Lutheran in Walden, and our friends to the south in Orange County. And I feel like we've just linked hearts as a church. We've always been together, it's, but our connection is with you guys. We, we just brought our youth group down there on Friday for a worship night. Um, they've been up here. We go back and forth to, to special meetings. It's an awesome thing to be knit together in the kingdom. And uh, they have an awesome ministry. They're a blessing. They do more than just the worship there. They're involved in Sunday school and youth group and having people over at their home for dinners. It's just random stuff, a jackknife of things in the ministry, just all these kinds of things as we're used to. And uh, there's a blessing to, to my family and to our church. 
And so Dan's going to share a word with us this morning. Take your liberty. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good? Yeah, as Chris said, uh, the roots here for Amber and I go way back. That was my wife, Amber, if you don't know who she is, playing violin with you this morning. And uh, I greet you in the name of the Lord, Pastor Josh and Elaine. Thank you for allowing me to share this morning. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? So, yeah, uh, my wife Amber and I met at the very youth group we would meet Josh and Elaine at. But I like to say the late 90s. It, was pro it just sounds cooler. It sounds old school. Uh, but we probably met, it was probably 2000 or 2001. So the roots for Amber and I with this church, with Josh and Elaine specifically, go that far back. And as, Chris, as Pastor Chris said, in 2020, through the pandemic, Amber and I got a call out of the blue. We weren't looking for anything. You know, I shared our testimony here just before we left, though, that there was a stirring in our spirit. There was something that the Lord told us, like, get ready, you're going. And then the frustration was where, where, where? If you guys remember our testimony, for about two years, it was just like, where? And I was getting frustrated. And I felt like, <laughs> you shouldn't do this, but I felt like I would test the Lord in this, right? And I was like, Lord, it's kind of like me driving to the throughway entrance, right? Coming here off Kingston. It's like, I'm just going to drive, and you you got to tell me north or south. I'm getting in this car. If you're not telling me where, I'm going to start driving, so I kind of force you to tell me where, right? But the Lord would be gentle with me. He would humble me, and eventually, <laughs> and so Amber and I would get this call to this church, Trinity, down in Walden, and here we are, pastors at King's Fire Church, one of many, and here we are involved in worship, one of many, and this church lost its 70-year-old uh, worship director. He was retiring, and we felt like a call to serve the church. Do you hear me? We felt called to serve the church, whether it's King's Fire, whether it's Trinity. Our hearts have always been to serve the church. And the beauty of that, Amber and I love doing this. We love doing this here at King's Fire, and we're continuing at Trinity, is we love to connect people. I feel like it's something that's been said over our lives, but we're a connecting couple. We love to connect people. We love to connect friends with friends. In fact, when we moved down to Trinity, it was so awesome. Dan, Gerald, so many friends of ours from up here got to meet so many new friends from down at Trinity. And I just loved that blend of old friends meet new friends. And then, yeah, we had you guys come down. Uh, the worship team that you just saw here came down to Trinity just this past Friday, two days ago. And it was awesome. I mean, uh, I had a, a fun moment watching Ashley, Gerald meet this uh, lady, Michelle, at our church. And again, it's old friend meeting new friend. And I just love that. Uh, that's the heart of Amber and I is to connect people. So both when we live there and where we live now, on site actually at Trinity, our heart is to connect people. So that's who we are. I greet you in the name of the Lord, and I do have a word for you this morning. My wife and I, just like that call, just like that call to go down to Trinity where the Lord put that, you know, sometimes we phrase it as a peace in our heart, right? You feel like I'm, I'm waiting for a peace to do something. And I've been thinking about that. I've been challenged to think of it this way. I'm waiting for a yes. I'm not waiting for a peace. I'm waiting for a yes. Because I think about what Jared just asked you guys, that it might not be peaceful, your decision to do something like go to India, but if the Lord says yes and commissions you to go, he will give you the peace as you go. Am I, am I being clear? Sometimes when the Lord calls us to something, we might say, and I've caught myself in this, waiting for a peace, but that peace is actually found if the Lord says yes, we got to do it. Scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. And you heard Jeremy's testimony, too, about just being obedient to what the Lord's calling you to. So in the same way, we pray, we believe, we hope, and we've seen that Amber and I were being obedient to a yes to, in the call to come down to Trinity. And we were being obedient ever since. 
And so if that's your heart for admissions, definitely talk to Jared. Jared and I, as, as he was saying, we go way back. Jared and I met uh, at work, and there was something uh, we got paired up uh, pretty quickly, and uh, we just couldn't stop talking about the Lord. And I would invite Jared multiple times, multiple times, multiple times <laughs> to come to church here. And uh, Jared would know my little trick. I would say, yeah, you should come to King's Fire. I'm leading worship this Sunday. And that was my thing. I led worship a lot. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything special. But I just wanted this guy, Jared, to know as if it was, as if it was a special Sunday. I just wanted to make it a bigger reason for him to come. And so I got him here. Amen. But um, in all your doings, when the Lord says yes, please be obedient. There's no better place to be than in the, the will of the Lord for your life. Amen. I know what it's like to step outside of it. And I know what it's like to be inside of it. And it's better to be with the Lord and be obedient to where he wants you to be. Amen. So a similar thing just happened to Amber and I. We're serving here at Trinity uh, this past year. Where are we? 2023? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think it, it wasn't happenstance. Amber and I came across, uh, I don't know if you know the church Jesus image. Raise your hand if you know Jesus image as a church. Michael Kulianos, his wife is Benny Hinn's daughter. And I, again, I, it, it wasn't coincidence. It wasn't happenstance. It's like the Lord froze me as we came across a pastor's conference at Jesus Image Church. What also helped is that Francis Chan was there, and I'm a big fan of him. Uh, Jeremy Riddle and Stephanie Gretzinger were there. Uh, we're going to be at this conference, and it's in Florida. And I just looked at my wife. I, I said to Amber, I was like, we just got to go. And she's like, yeah, don't, don't waste time. Book those tickets. Sign up. Register. Let's, let's book the flights. God bless my mother and father who, who were able to watch our kids. And Amber and I flew down to this conference, and we just felt like, again, that, that, that yes from the Lord, in spite of the finances, in spite of all of, the, all of the things we would have to coordinate just to get the two of us down to Florida. And so we just went to a pastor's conference at Jesus Image in uh, Florida in September. And um, during that conference, I did get to meet Jeremy Riddle. Okay, I shook his hand. I said, what's up? And that was pretty cool. You know, he was standing up front, and there was, this, there was this kind of thing where, like, you let the leaders, like, kind of be to themselves. There was a bunch of people with name tags, right? And when I came up to the front, they're like, hi, as if, like, can I help you? You're not supposed to be here. And I was like, hey, and I just beelined it to Jeremy anyways. And uh, uh, Amber filmed it, so you guys know it's true. And I haven't washed my hands since I shook his hand. Um, no. But I love Jeremy Riddle. I was just hearing our children's church choir singing one of his songs. His new album is so, so great. He, at, at Trinity, uh, we feel like uh, Jesus Have It All is our anthem song. Uh, so I got to meet Jeremy, but we're here at this conference. And I, what I'm going to share this morning is from what he said. So Michael Kulianos on the last night, he said, Pastors, preach on holiness. And I was there taking good, news th good notes through every session. And I wrote that down. Pastors, preach on holiness. And it was another one of those where the Lord just pauses you for a moment, just like the fact that we got down there to that conference, just like the yes in our spirit for Trinity. And I just felt like, yeah, amen. I'm going to preach on holiness. And so I started putting a word together on holiness. And check this out. Then this happens. So Mr. Lou Proper here sends out a uh, prophetic word report, and he mails it to me where I am down in Trinity. And thank you, Lou. Where are you, Lou? Thank you, Lou. I'm so glad I got to share this story with him this morning. I swear to you, I pulled up to my mailbox, I grabbed that thing from Lou, and I said, Lord, the word holiness is going to be in this letter. And I just smirked. I, 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 I swear to you, it was like this thing from the, between me and the Lord. I was like, <laughs> holiness is going to be in this letter. And so let me read you what he said. 
So Lou has this part at the top of his prophetic word from the father to his children, and he said this, my children, I am confident to bring you into my divinity through your humanity. It seems difficult at times, that I understand. I know what the human struggle is. I know what is in the human heart, but I also know how to change and transform that heart. Be content to be human. I can work through your humanity and despite your sinfulness, bring you into my holiness. And I opened that letter, I was like, my Lord, right? I just knew it. No one else was there. You could think I'm lying, but man, I opened that letter. I said, Lord, if holiness is in this letter, oh, my Lord. And it was. So let me pray before I get into scripture. Lord, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit this morning. Yeah, we prayed. We sang those words this morning. They weren't just lip service, Lord. Holy Spirit, rest upon us. You're all we want. You're all we want. So Lord, be with us in this message this morning. May my, tongue, may my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, ready to speak the things that you would speak through me, trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in all things. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, I was asking Josh when he asked me to share, I was like, is there anywhere I should go? Is there any way I should lean? And there's a part of me, you guys know it, for those of you that know me in years past, that I love the identity gospel. I love what, what we come to understand when, when you realize the transformation of life that happens through the gospel message. That you are no longer what you were before, that you are now of an incorruptible seed, amen? You are a new creation in Christ, and he's done a new thing inside of us. So even as I talk about holiness this morning, it's an aspect of the identity gospel. There's something in us. There's a holiness that we're going to read in scripture where we are both called to it, we are predestined to it, and he establishes it in us when we are born again. Amen? So if you could turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read about holiness being a calling. Holiness is something we're all called to as believers. It's something we're going to read we're predestined to. And it's something to take very serious if we are to bring the gospel to both India and, yes, to Kingston, Saugerties, and abroad. So if you're with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. This is called to be holy. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 15 says, but as he who called you is holy. God who called us is holy. As he who called you is holy, scripture says, you also be holy in all of your conduct. 16 says, for since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you skip a stone down to verse 22, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In verse 23, since you have been born again, here's how it happens, right? Here's how your calling to be holy can even be possible. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but praise God of an imperishable seed, right? Through the living and abiding word of God. So first Peter here is calling us, Peter's writing us to us as saints, as believers, you be holy as he is holy. And there's that little phrase there, verse 16, it says, as it is written. Well, where was it written? It wasn't the New Testament books yet. Peter's writing it. 
So it must be in the Old Covenant. It must be in the Old Testament. And I'll bring you there. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11. This is Old Covenant. This is Old Testament. And this is what Peter is quoting when he says, As it is written, and the Lord saying, Be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus eleven forty four through 45. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and here it is, be holy. He's saying this to Israel in the Old Covenant. Peter's telling it to us in the New Covenant reality of the imperishable seed. Be holy, for I am holy. The Lord says here, you shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. Amen? Uh, amen? That's pretty easy. We just squash those bugs and don't consume them. All right? Amen, Lord. That, that verse is easy to be obedient to. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Again, he's speaking to the Israelites. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is also a destiny. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. If you're taking notes, we just read 1 Peter 1, 13 through 23, and Leviticus 11, 44, 45. But now we're in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's where holiness we're find is a destiny. Ephesians 1 says, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Even as he chose us, even as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, here it is, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So you see in Leviticus, the Israelites are called to be holy as he is holy. And then you have a New Testament scripture that we are, be, we are to be grafted in the vine. We as Gentiles are being grafted into the very calling Israel was called to, to be holy as he is holy. And it's predestined. This is not something the Lord made up as he went along. No, long before Adam and Eve fell, long before their sin, we were predestined to call to holiness. And if you ask me, this, is the very diff this makes the very difference of your missions trip to India or your travel here to Kingston to pray for someone. If you don't have holiness, what are you bringing to these people? If you're, not, if you're not carrying an anointing, if your words don't carry an anointing from the Lord himself, if his holiness is not touching your words, it's going to just be religion. It's going to be just, here's Christianity, next week it's Buddhism, next week it's Jehovah's Witness, right? But yet, if our words carry some sort of measure of holiness, and some of us, you can call that the anointing, if there's some anointing to the words we carry, then they will go deep, and that something will happen. Have you ever been frustrated with a friend where you're like, I've told them this over and over and over again, and then they, they, see, they hear a sermon or they hear some great thing, and they bring to you the very thing you've been telling them all along, but finally they hit their spirit. What just happened? The Lord just opened. The spirit did a work. You were trying your best. You were probably planting seed. You were trying to water that seed, but it took the Lord's spirit to open their eyes and hear the very same message you've been frustratingly telling your friend. And then they finally hear the same message from someone else. And they're like, you know, I heard this word. And it totally blew me away on love and forgiveness. And you're like, right? But it's, it's the spirit. Jesus says, no one comes to, to me except if the Father draws him. It's the Holy Spirit the whole time. And I just think it was awesome. We've been uh, singing that this morning, calling upon the Holy Spirit into our lives. So holiness is something we're called to. He made up his mind before he 
set the foundations of the earth for you and I to be called to holiness. And holiness is also positional. Now we go to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. Positional holiness, made holy. In bringing many sons and daughters of glory, it says, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should, be make, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Here it is, verse 11. I put these verses in bold if I had it on a slide. Some of you remember, you might be saying, hey, Dan, what changed? I am that slide guy, as I used to say here. I usually have these up in slides. I have them, if you could peek at my notes, I have things put in bold here to make, at least to my understanding, the way I learn things, putting in bold the points I'm trying to make. So in your Bibles, make verse 11 bold, please. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of that same family. Amen? So Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Why? Because his Holy Spirit in us, that imperishable seed we're born of when we're born again, has made us holy. Can you say amen? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Later in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it says, And by that will we have been made holy through what? The sacrifice, the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Going back to 1 Peter 2, I'm just spitting these out. These are our, our callings, positional callings to being holy. 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, right? A royal priesthood. What's next? A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, after spelling out this life pleasing to God, verse 7 says, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. <laughs> Verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards us, ah, I'm not called to be holy, disregards not man. Your wrestle is not with man. It's not with Peter. It's not with Moses in Leviticus. It says your wrestle, if you're like, man, holiness isn't for me. I'm a believer, but goodness, I think I'm just going to get in by the skin of my teeth. Whoever disregards this, you're not disregarding me, Pastor Dan. You're not disregarding Peter. It says you're disregarding God. That's quite the calling. That should sober us. It says who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I don't think it's a coincidence. Holy Spirit's coming up. His name's being brought up as we talk about holiness. Do you remember King David's lament in Psalms after he has the issue with Bathsheba? That verse, we sometimes sing, it's in some songs. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me, he says. Because now, David's joy when that tabernacle, when the presence of the Lord came into the room, he danced so much, we know the story, his clothes fell off. Because it was such an amazing place. I don't know if sometimes we take for granted that the presence of the Lord used to be found in a box. You know, we say, don't put God in a box. Well, he did. He did for a little while, right? God put himself in the <laughs> holy of holies at that mercy seat in that box. He, the presence of the Lord was there. And it was outside of it. And I get it. He's omnipresent, sure. But for a while there, the Lord's presence was found in, literally in a box. Very holy place. And David danced because the holy presence of the Lord was coming to his kingdom, coming to his town. And he says in scripture, when he has that issue with Bathsheba, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then you have Moses, I believe, in Exodus 33 says, 
Lord, is your presence going to be there? Because if it's not there, I don't want to be there. If your presence is not going to be in the wilderness where we're going, then it's not worth going. Yet, if your presence is going to be in the wilderness, there is no better place to be. Amen? And so God used to be found in a certain place, a box, in a certain place called the tabernacle, and behind the curtain, Holy of Holies. But now where is he found? Uh, he's omnipresent. But in a tangible sense, he's found right here, thanks to the Holy Spirit. And now this place, these flesh and bones, are called to be a place of holiness. We're called to it. It's a position he sets us up. He stands you in the position of holiness. And we were called to it before the foundations of the world. And God is not changing his mind. Hebrews 12. If there's any other reason to encourage you to seek this out. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness. Strive for peace with everyone. Oh, we're trying. I hope you are, personally. I hope we are as Americans. We're trying to strive. Israel is trying to strive for peace with everyone. But nonetheless, if they raise up a sword, they have to return. Amen. We pray for Israel and everything that's going on there. It's terrible. And we're, we, we pray and stand with Israel in this time. Strive for peace with everyone. Absolutely. But then it says, end for the holiness. Do we forget the next part of that phrase? Strive for peace. Okay, Lord, yes. But strive for holiness. This next sentence. Without which no one will see the Lord. You can't even see the Lord unless there's a measure of holiness in your life. When Jesus says, no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. When we were dead in our sin, you know, we talk about this uh, at work. Bob knows this too. Bob works at the same job I do. If you're ever in construction, when you build, uh, when you have to dig into the ground, uh, we work for a utility company that does contract work. And so if you're going to dig a pit into the ground to assess a gas main, they have what's called sheeting and shoring, safety stuff like OSHA regulated things. And when it comes to OSHA, and when it's so crazy to just picture this. You dig a big enough pit, six feet, seven feet down, and just six to seven feet wide, and you just go down there and stand in it long enough, without a ladder, you're done. It, it doesn't feel threatening, right? To just picture a six by six by six, you know, six, seven feet, ten feet, ten feet wide, just picture it, just a little pit, and you just jump down in it. You don't feel all that threatened yet. I mean, it's just this little box. It's kind of like our baptismal here, but deeper. But for a moment, and even us at work, those that work in that kind of, that kind of pit or that kind of setup, doesn't feel all that dangerous. But without a ladder, you're hopeless. And in the same way in our sin, there was no way out. I know that we, res we respond to the call to salvation, but that very ladder is the cross, isn't it? And it's by his spirit. It's by him. That's why Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me unless he is called. And the Father calls us through the cross. Amen. But without holiness, we can't even see him. And so there's a measure of holiness that has been placed upon you. Believe it or not, that's my encouragement this morning. You're called to holiness. He made up his decision before he set the earth into motion. So it, <laughs> it has been decided. And without a measure of holiness in your life, you haven't even seen the Lord yet. You wouldn't even be able to see him in the measure that you have in your Christian life if it wasn't for a measure of holiness that you've been granted. And maybe you didn't even realize it. But it says right in Hebrews, without holiness, you can't even see him. And we see this in a physical sense with Moses. Do you remember the story of Moses called up to the mountain, right? <laughs> Moses is like, ooh, 
We sing the song, show me your face, Lord. Moses stood, I shouldn't sing, on a, on a mountain. Do it, right? Yeah. Waiting for him to pass by. You know? And so Moses can't even physically see the Lord because God said it right there. If you see me, you're going to die because his holiness is too much. But, hey, I'll cover your face, and you can just see, you can see the back of my cool shoes, you know, the Lord says. He didn't say cool shoes, but the Lord let him see the backside. And then we know his face, Moses just seeing a, a part, a partiality of God in that holiness, in that holy moment, his face shone like the sun, right? And they had to put a veil over him. So holiness, we're called to it. We're predestined to it. It's a place, it's a position. He, he positions you. It's like setting you up. It's a positional place, holiness. But I don't want to miss that there's actually, there's some work we got to do in this relationship with holiness. I'm going to go back to Leviticus 11, the call to action in our holiness. For I am the Lord your God. I just read this. This is Leviticus 11:44. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. I want to think of that word consecrate because we don't use that word often, do we? Right. I've talked about this, I think, even here before, you know, uh, seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You know, what does that even mean? Right. How do I tell my wife, Amber, Hun, I just I need an hour. I just need to seek the kingdom. Just give me an hour. Right. What does what does that mean in the moment? You know, we have these Christian phrases. I don't know about you, Amber, and I don't say consecrate often. Does anyone here use consecrate in their everyday life? No. Right. No one's raising their hands. So let's, let's make this reality because, right, right, my daughters are here. Have you ever heard dad or mom say, hon, you need to consecrate. No, you consecrate. <laughs> I'm consecrating right now. Well, you need more consecrating. No, it's not, more, it's not in our everyday American English life. So what does consecrate mean? Because in this, in this scripture it says, consecrate yourselves for I am holy. Whatever that verb is, whatever it means to consecrate, that's our that's our role in this in this process of being holy and so consecrate or sanctify is from the greek word padash and you would know this some of you scholars would know this it means to set apart to keep oneself separate it says or to be sacred and holy leviticus 20 26 says you are to be holy to me because i the lord am holy and I have, here's that word, here's consecrate, but the definition, I have set you apart, he says, to Israel from the nations to be my own. So as the Lord's talking to Israel, he's consecrating them. I am setting you apart from the noise and the nonsense of the rest of this world. I am separating you from filthiness and the, the, the rulers of this world to be something set apart. So our role in holiness is to consecrate ourselves. So now if you hear your parents arguing, it's kind of what they're talking about, right? If we start hearing people say that. Romans 12 says it this way, verse 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies, you know the scripture, as a living sacrifice, holy, there is the word holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And if you look up that word reasonable in the Greek, it means reasonable. There's no way around it. It's just reasonable for you and I as believers to consider our lives like a living sacrifice set apart to be holy. It's just reasonable. <laughs> and then verse 2, set apart. Do not be conformed to this world. Sounds like consecrating. A different way of talking about it. Do not be conformed to this world. 
It says, transformed by that renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, man, holiness is so important. It's the root of our anointing. It's the root of everything we have to give. Let not our worship, let not our preaching, let not our evangelism, let not our advice, let not every, any word proceed from our lips without a measure of holiness inside of us to say, I've been with the Lord. Amen? We see holiness. Now I just want to describe holiness as we look at the tabernacle, as we look at Moses' experience. Exodus 3, 5, holy ground. Do you remember this verse? God says to Moses in Exodus 3, 5, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Holiness is that important. It's that holy that you can't muddy it up with the dirt from beneath your sandals. Do you have that picture, Bob? Were you able to put it up? Can you show it? Yeah, it's a nice new photo. I thought it explained it well. But this is the Holy of Holies with the tabernacle. You see the cherubim, the angels facing each other with the wings there. There's God putting himself in a box. Um, and as God set this up, there's the, there's the um, curtain there. I just want to explain this. This is the Holy of Holies. So if there's a, there was once a physical display of how holy, I just want you to understand, as, as wild and extreme as this place was, it's now here. And let's not forget that. The calling for your holiness is to be a place like the middle of that room there. According to the account of our rabbis preserved in the Talmud, the high priest wore a rope, and there was a high priest. He's got a rope around his waist, it says. Um, as he made his way absolutely alone, right there into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is beyond that curtain there, right? Um, where am I? In the Holy of Holies. The rope he wore served a very practical purpose. Hear this. Because in the event that the high priest said or did something wrong, oops, it was generally believed that he would be struck dead for his offense. Do you remember as they brought, as they brought th that box, what, sorry, and those poles? Do you remember the story of Uzzah? The story of Uzzah, when, the, when they were bringing that to King David, when they were bringing that to the tabernacle, when they, they fell a bit and he went and touched it because he wasn't meant to touch that thing. It wasn't his calling to, to hold that very thing up. Uzzah died, and you're like, Lord, you're being pretty extreme here just killing this guy over just touching that pole. Now, that's how holy this thing is. And so the priest wore robes because they, meant, they said, man, if he goes in there and stubs his toe and says, <laughs> he might not come out. He might die. So they, he, wore this, he, wore this he wore this rope around his waist. It says, because in the event the high priest said or did something wrong, it was believed that he would be struck dead for his offense. Yet, right, yes, right then and there, as the only high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, the rope enabled his assistants. So he has a rope around his waist with bells on it, but a rope coming out from him. So he's like on a leash, like a dog. And so his assistants could safely pull the corpse of the high priest out of the inner sanctum in the event of a mishap. This is spelled out in Exodus 28. You shall make on it a hem of pomegranates, blue and purple, scarlet material all around its hem, and bells of gold around them. It shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, Aaron, Moses' assistant, 
who was the first priest, calls to this and his brothers and his sons. Its sound will be heard when he goes in the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he may not die. So can you picture being a group that's outside of here sending Aaron in with the rope on, with some bells on him and a rope to pull him out, and you're just listening from the outside. Oh, he's still alive. He's moving around. He, I don't know why I've heard uh, that. There were probably kittens around. I'm trying to make a bell noise. You hear, the <laughs> you hear these bells ringing. <laughs> and it, shing, shing. Is that better? I'm thinking of Christmas now. And so you hear it, and you're like, ah, oh, Aaron's doing good. Oh, he's doing his thing. <gasps> I don't hear anything. I'm still good. No, 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 don't pull. Okay, okay, right? So you have these bells <laughs> just to know that, oh, our priest is still alive, right? And if, God forbid, those bells go ka-clunk, and he falls out because he did something wrong, something impure in such a holy place, you'd be able to pull him out and not race into that thing lest you fall yourself. All this to say, this holy place was that holy. God said, you, Moses, you can't even see my face without perishing. And it should sober us that we are called to a measure of holiness. He said, be holy, for I am holy. I have set you to be holy. He's, set, he's standing us in a position of holiness. And now we're called to be that very thing. We're called to bring a measure of this, that when we talk, when we share, that there's a measure of anointing on our words, that it's almost like bringing people into that room when they talk to you. That's a high calling. That ought to sober some of us to get rid of. I feel like even the Lord's like convicting me even in this message, this whole set apart thing. My wife and I's prayer to the Lord has been, Lord, what, what else do we need to get rid of? Because our, our, everything so far has been what he does to us. He sets up our position for holiness. It's not, it's not by our, our works lest any man should boast, but our role in it is to consecrate, is to set ourselves apart. That's where we have a role in this, is to understand this, not deny it, like Scripture says. But, Lord, what's the role of where I need, what in my life have I not set apart unto holiness of something that's still in my life? And I'm telling you, even as a pastor and someone that's been in Scripture that's been ministering for years, I'm asking the Lord, what's next in my life that needs to be set apart? Lord, where, what else in my life have I not, for some of us, maybe it's the words that come out of our mouth, the, the like, like James says, how can salt water and fresh water come out of the same spring? Maybe for some of us, your, your, your tongue has not been purified unto holiness. Your tongue hasn't been consecrated and set apart from the rest. You know, that's my testimony with Jared, right, Jared? Amen. Okay, cool. I'm not just saying it. He can testify to this. But Jared noticed in me that I wasn't like everyone else. Certain expletives, certain words were not coming out of my mouth in the group of mechanics that we worked beside. So he saw something different in me, and I saw something different in him. And we talked about our walk with the Lord at the time. Because at least in my vocabulary, it was consecrated and set apart from the rest of this earth. Amen? And that testifies of the Lord. Yeah. You remember what happens when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, what happened, what happened to that curtain? It was torn. How was it torn? Do we remember? From top to bottom. So you didn't have, it, it, it denies the fact, it, it gets away from any thought that someone went in there with scissors. <laughs> no, it, it ripped from top to bottom where no man can reach. It was, I think this curtain was three feet thick, if I'm remembering like descriptions of this curtain correctly. But when Jesus died and rose again, this curtain was torn. This temple was eventually destroyed because where does it exist now? It's, it's meant to be here. Our lives, my heart is meant to be that box 
Not that I'm anything special, but because he has positioned us unto holiness. And that's the very reason your words and your, your ministry in your life, and as you minister unto others, the very gospel you have received, it's the very power of those words. It's the holiness established in you. It's the aspect that these are not just words leaping my mouth. If I am conforming to his words, they should also be spirit and life. Do you remember when Jesus had those hard words in the, ta- in, uh, in the synagogue? He, it was when he and Jesus shared a pretty tough sermon, and he's like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you could have no part with me. And sure, uh, not the best sermon in the world to, to grow the church because a lot of people left, but Jesus knew what he was doing. And as he did that, his disciples were left there in the church after synagogue afterwards. And do you remember when Jesus said to him, uh, many have left. Are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter says, where else shall we go? For you holds the words of eternal life. And Jesus says, yes, my words, they are spirit and they are life. And that's been my prayer in any sort of time I, I get asked to share like this. In any time my, my wife and I are sitting down with a couple, premarital counseling, talking through life, talking through stuff. I don't want to just be good advice from Dan who has read scripture. No, I want an anointing and I want the holiness to be to be the very vehicle at, as to which these words are piercing through hearts. Because that's what he's done to us. Amen? Amen. Michael Culliano said this during the conference. I, wrote, I quoted it here about holiness. He said, I have met people whose eyes preached and did me in. Some of us know people, there's been people in your lives who their very eyes did you in. And I want to share with you that's because a measure of holiness in their lives. They have set themselves apart from the rest. They have gotten alone with the Lord. And what they've done in secret, the Lord will reward in the open, as Matthew 6, 6 says. But being set apart has a cost. Some of you know Catherine Kuhlman. She has a book or a sermon series. It's out there where she talks about the price for the anointing. The price for the anointing. Some of us want this, but you got to do the work. And he does it in you, don't get me wrong, but that word, that action word, that verb, consecrate, is to set apart. That's our role in this thing. If we want a measure of anointing in our words so that we are successful in reaching the lost, then we need to own up to the fact that we were called to holiness. And being called to holiness is established by him, but we need to be set apart, saints. We need to be set apart. You know, I I was thinking of this, that it's almost like a reduction process as well. Our calling is, I must decrease, right? As, as uh, the, uh, John the Baptist said, so he might increase. Jesus said, if you want to love your life, you must hate it. You must lose your life to gain it. And so there's this like reduction process in our call to the Lord, and that's being set apart. And I thought about this with reduction with cooking, right? My wife cooks. My daughters are starting to really cook. My sons might as well. I do a few things. I cook really good cereal, um, <laughs> pancakes, hot dogs, hamburgers. <laughs> uh, but when in cooking, a reduction, right? I've always thought of that, like, oh, you know, re- do a reduction sauce. I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? Are you reducing the sauce? That doesn't sound right. Reduction? No, add to it, right? I'm Italian. Like, no, add more garlic to the pasta sauce. Don't reduce it. Increase it, right? <laughs> <laughs> But this is what reduction is in cooking. I looked it up. I found it on Google. Reducing a sauce involves boiling a liquid until its consistency thickens and the flavor is enhanced. Okay, reduce the sauce. (laughs) 
reduce that pasta sauce. Amen. Stirring a delectable, I don't know who wrote this, stirring a delectable sauce until it reaches the, look at this, a pinnacle of palatable perfection. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. So when you reduce a sauce, when, you, when they say put it in reduction, however they explain it when you're cooking, <laughs> it's actually to make it taste better. And so the Lord calls us to be set apart it's so that we would, be, we would be like honey on his lips when we minister the gospel. Amen. And we're all called to this thing. And it's established by this imperishable seed. So let me close with this verse from Philippians 3, the encouragement to press on. In Philippians 3, Paul is writing to the Philippian church. He says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of a upward call, sounds like holiness, of God in Christ Jesus. And I love, I love Paul's audacity here. Let those of who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise... God will reveal that to you, that you're wrong. I just added that you're wrong. But look what Paul says here. Those who are mature are going to think this way. You're going to be sobered and, and cry out for the upward call. You're going you're to realize the Lord's going to convict you. His spirit, his Holy Spirit inside of you is going to convict you to the point of realizing, i got to stop letting those words leave my lips. i got to stop talking to my kids in anger. i got to stop reacting that way. That's the Holy Spirit calling you unto holiness. And you have to consecrate. You have to be set apart. Even in Philippians, it says, if you would just be quiet, you would be seen as holy. And I think a proverb is, even a fool is seen wise when he shuts his mouth. So some of us, if you just, oh, you're so much holier in just a few moments. If you would just be quiet. Amen. But who wants this? I want this. Do you want this? Time's getting short, guys. The world's, the world's getting crazy. Our kids are growing up in quite, quite a world. But you know what I love about it? As the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter. And so as the world gets twisted, as the world just doesn't know who they are and calls themselves a rabbit or a cat, we know who we are. Come on. It's that much easier to be set apart in that way. Just call yourself a man. Call yourself a woman. You're already being set apart in such a simple phrase, right? Talk about consecrate. But man, this is, this is the hour. It always has been. But even more so the hour for us as believers to consecrate ourselves, to find out where in my life can I be set apart? Where, Lord, have I not prescribed, where I've not ascribed to your holiness, Lord? Maybe for some of you in the room, it's like, ah, like I said, for, it, it says in Scripture, Please believe, please understand that we're all called to this. And even Paul says with the audacity, those who are mature will understand this. And those of you who do not, God will reveal it to you that you're wrong, that you're called to this thing. And so for some of you, I don't know if maybe it's not even on your radar that you're called to this thing, that you've, we do come to him lowly and knowing that he has provided everything. But he calls, he picks up our chin and he calls us higher. You stand up with a coat of many colors. You stand up with a robe of righteousness. You trade our burdens, our heaviness for praise, right? 
those things are traded in that very thing. And I just want to end with this. So our holiness is, like I said at the beginning, is positional first. We are positioned to it. He made up his mind before he set the foundations of the earth. I don't know if you've ever gotten dressed for a wedding before, but when I do, even though I'm not wearing white, neither should my wife if we're guests, but when you dress up for a wedding, you clean up, right? I, I brush the dog hair, the cat hair off those dress pants. I clean the shoes. But what happens when you realize how clean you are? Like when you get dressed up that clean, you start realizing, my car's pretty dirty, right? You go to sit and you're like, ah, you know, something that didn't matter with these pants on matters more because you're that clean and you're driving to a wedding. Do you follow? When you realize how clean you are, so when you have a revelation that he's positioned you in holiness and have that revelation first, it makes being consecrating a little bit more easier to understand. Wow, Lord, you've set me to be holy. You've set me to be a place like this on the earth. Your Holy Spirit inside of me, we can no longer go to Israel and find a place like that and enter a curtain anymore. Goodness, what do we do? I've set that inside of you now. And now the Lord is saying, I want you to take that place seriously in the measure of your hearts. Do you remember when Jesus had the whips and cords? We brought our kids to Sight and Sounds Theater, and they went through that scene with Jesus just pushing over the money changers, right? And it's such this violent scene, and we're like, whoa, Lord. And he goes, my house is not to be a house of trade like this. It's a place of holiness and anointing. Jesus, his, his biggest, most violent action in Scripture is what? The, turning over the money changers and stuff, because that place, his house, was meant to be a house of holiness. And where's that house now? It's right here. Yes, it's in these four walls because you're here. When we leave here, it's just a building. When we're here, the church is here. And so when you're here, you carry a measure of that in your heart when you come into this room. That should sober us. That should also encourage us. It's possible, not by our work, but by his positioning. Amen? Amen. And he's given you that clean outfit. And if you would recognize that first, I've been robed with something that is so clean you would probably start to see that your car's a little dirty. I'm going to wipe down that seat before I sit in it, right? And you're going to step over that puddle because I'm heading to a wedding, whereas it's different when you're dressed to get dirty, right? But he has given you a robe of righteousness. He has made you holy. And when you realize that, when that settles in your heart, consecrating comes naturally. You're like, Lord, where else do you need me to be set apart so that my words carry your presence, your anointing unto holiness? Amen? Stand with me and let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, in as much as you have called me, you've called all of us to your holiness, Lord. You're calling this church. You're calling everyone here, those that will travel, those that will stay local, those that will serve in their community at work, at church, at, at school, Lord. You've called all of us to a measure of this holiness in our lives. And where we are, as, as Paul says, uh, not that we have already attained, but we press on to as deep calls unto deep till we get to that place of holiness that you're calling us to, Lord. For some of us in this room, it might be our tongue. For some of us in our room, it, it might be that time spent that we veg out and we veg out for hours. And it's like, no, we don't have time to veg. We need time with the Lord so we can gain a measure of holiness in our lives and that our words will be a sweet, sweet sound to his ear and those that hear it, Lord. And for those of us that don't even know the Lord, please know that you are called to be holy, just like Israel was called to be holy, just like every Gentile was called to be holy. If you don't know the Lord this morning, he is calling you to set you as a place of holiness, to put himself inside of you. It's called his Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this earth, he says, it's better that I go. How could it be better that the Son of God leaves this earth? He said, it's better that I go. 
Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. He put his blood on the mercy seat, and he sent his Holy Spirit to the earth to make hearts of men and women like us a place of holiness to preach his kingdom and his glory on the earth. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you that you are calling us to such a place as this. Thank you for a people such as this. And we were born for such a time as this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 So listen, if you want prayer, I'm here. I'm sure other ministers will be here to pray for you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having my wife and I. Oh, I thought Amber came up here. My wife. <laughs> my wife also plays piano, so I thought you came to back me up, hon. Hi, how are you? Um, but yeah, we're here to pray for you. Uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. And it's just great to be with you. Amen. Thank you. Have a good evening.